Welcome to the Powered by Age, Age-Friendly City Zoomcast, reality-style podcast. We are movers and shakers, shaking up the old notion of silent, helpless, invisible seniors. This is a new series of podcasts funded by the City of Vancouver and the 411 Senior Center Society. As PBA AFC ambassadors, we raise awareness, share our original stories and poems, inform, advocate, and involve seniors in discussing important social issues. In short, these podcasts will help us, you, in creating an age-friendly city for Vancouver today, tomorrow the world. You can hear us everywhere podcasts are heard. Welcome to season three of Powered by Age, Canada's longest running senior-led podcast, where participants don't just listen, but get involved in inviting guests and being presenters. I'm Charlotte Sister C. Farrell, your host. This is our third week of honoring Asian and Pacific Islander Heritage Month with another important inclusion, the heritage contributions and concerns of people of Southeast Asian descent. Shibani Gakali, a multi-platform news producer, video journalist, and lawyer is going to be our special guest today and raise our awareness and share some calls to action. But first, our tech and training associate, Jesse Winsloff, is going to give us our land acknowledgement and sponsor announcement. Thanks, Charlotte. Uh, yeah, before we get started, I just want to acknowledge that we are recording on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Coquitlam, Tsleil-Waututh, and others, depending where we're located, uh, that this land was never formally uh, transferred or or given over, and that uh, we are grateful to, to be able to be here uh, doing what we are on this land. Uh, also let you know that the Powered by Age podcast is sponsored by the Government of Canada Information and Re- Referral Services New Horizons for Seniors Program and the 411 Senior Centre Society. Thank Back you. To you <laughs> and now what we usually do, uh, we introduce the people that have come on at the beginning. As other people come on, we uh, don't have them introduce themselves. And uh, followed by that Nancy is going to uh, be our facilitator today. Nancy is one of our uh, program assistants and uh, mentors, and she will introduce our special guests. So we will start with Gail. Did you say Neil? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I said Gail, but Gail. maybe Gail. Oh she thought God. I said Gail. Neil. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm right next to you, Charlotte. <laughs> it, 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 just for the hell of, it, hell of it, it's both end to end, it's the same sound. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I went, who she called? Um, my name's Gail Harwood, and I'm from Ontario, but lived here for many years. Also, I lived overseas in uh, two countries in Africa, working and living. Um, and that taught me a lot. I traveled to Asia, got back to Canada, and I, I don't know my country, so I proceeded to get on the train. And I did that three times across, so it was fabulous. Um, and I'm a writer, and as soon as I get this uh, radiation out of the way, I'm going to um, um, finally work on the last chapters of my book and ship it off to an agent in the UK. Um, and... What else? Oh yeah, I, I I'm an educator. I'm I'm retired from the school board, and uh, I still teach students. I, I really love it. I really love my students. All right, thank you, Chris. I'm Chris Morrissey, and I don't know how that I can follow that, Gail. Uh, <laughs> I did cross Canada once when I was about eight. Wow. <laughs> By train when we after we arrived in Halifax from England. Um, and I've not got I've been back to Halifax once, but uh, but not traveling by train across the country. <laughs> anyway, I live in East Van, um, and I belong to, I participate at Britannia Community Center, which, like most community centers, is has been closed. Uh, but I still participate in uh, Quirky, the Queer Imaging and Writing Collective for Elders, which we meet online every week, and 
we endeavor to write, um, to write and to read and to critique the things that we uh, that we write. So that's me. Uh, Neil. Neil, I am a, a poet, published author, uh, thanks to my bank account, um, and. Uh, I'm doing well, and I've just started my second book, and it's to be called Cave Paintings. So, and uh, Cave Paintings, Poetry, and Other Short Stories. So, and we're looking forward to that. And and by the way, I have a new webpage too, which uh, from which you can purchase my book of poetry called From the Other Side, which is around here somewhere. (laughs) Okay, Leslie. Uh, Yes, I'm Leslie Hebert, and I live in New Westminster. Um, I have never been across Canada all the way. I flew across Canada from the UK to Vancouver. Uh, The furthest I've been eastward from here is actually Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, where I have in-laws. So maybe one day I'll get the rest of the way across. I have to make a correction. Um, I got as far as the Maritimes. Newfoundland ah. is a trip unto itself. <laughs> I heard, yeah. Yes. And you all had a fire last night in Westminster. Yeah, the Heritage Grill, yeah. which was, um, Neil knows the Heritage quite well. Oh, that's uh, where we performed. Beautiful. Yeah, that's right. You do too, Charlotte. That's mm. where we had our Poetic Justice every Sunday afternoon. Oh uh, a big sponsor of the arts and a sponsor of the community. And, uh, you know, very involved in the Gay Pride Parade and, and a whole bunch of different things. So it's a real loss to the community. So we're just hoping that the owner can rebuild. Yeah. So it's going to be rebuilt, of course, huh? We're hoping, yeah. It just takes time. Yeah, yeah, it does, it does. Uh, Anne? Hi, I'm Anne Drozd. And I guess I can say when we're talking about cross Canada, I've worked in every province in Canada except for the, the north. Mm-hmm. But I've so I've spent time in all of them, sometimes more and sometimes less. I lived in Ontario before I came out here to uh, mm-hmm. the West. And then I lived on Gabriola for 14 years before I came to Nanaimo. So now I'm firmly rooted in Nanaimo. <laughs> well, I have in common with you. I lived in, in originally landed in in. Uh, Ontario and lived in Toronto, worked in in public health promotion for 20 years. So I'm here in Vancouver too now. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Nancy? I live, I'm Nancy Sinclair and I live on beautiful uh, Vancouver Island, British Columbia. And I've lived in BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, traveled when I was a kid. Uh, We went on a six week camping trip across Canada and went as far as Ontario. I have a lot of fond memories of that. It's just beautiful, beautiful experience. So, yeah, very, very fortunate to be living here in Canada. Yeah. And now Nancy's going, let's see, uh, Brian, are you there in the corner? That their phone is muted. Mariko and Brian are there at the 411 Center. You can see a window of our new building. (laughs) We're going to be able to start going into the building, uh, well, maybe before July 1st. Wow, that's so cool. So, Nancy, we can introduce our guest. I'm so excited, so honored. So our guest today is Shabani Gohail. She's a video journalist based in Vancouver, Canada. She primarily works as an associate editor for Yahoo News Canada, and is also a video contributor to the Daily High Vancouver, CBC Creator Network, and The Quint. She has a master's in journalism degree from Columbia University. She has previously worked as a digital journalist at Attention in Los Angeles. And um, she can also be found on Instagram, and we will send that information out to you later. And we are just absolutely delighted to have her with us today as we celebrate and recognize Asian Heritage Month, 
and she's going to bring some topics of discussion to the table for us to enlighten ourselves, um, expand our awareness, find out what we can do to to make things a much more positive experience for everybody. So please welcome Shivani. Thank you so much um, for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, so nice to hear everyone's bios. And it's so cool to hear that you've all, you know, lived in different provinces uh, and you've traveled so much through Canada. Um, I actually, I, I was in Canada when I was a kid because uh, my dad's a Canadian citizen. So I was in Toronto for a while. Um, and then I went to India to be with my mom, who's a doctor over there. So she's like on the front lines right now fighting COVID. Um, and then I went to law school in India and then I did my master's in the U.S., worked there for a little while. And then I finally decided because, you know, my dad was like, you have to go back to Canada. Um, so I finally decided to come back to Canada and chose Vancouver just because, you know, the beach and stuff. <laughs> How long have you been back in Vancouver, Shivani? Um, it's been over a year now. So and I've been I was with Yahoo even a year before I started here. So it's um, that was the main reason that I was moving to Canada is that I was already working for Yahoo Canada. So it made more sense to just make the move happen. Oh, gosh. And you okay. mentioned your mom okay. in the front line there, hey? Yeah, she's a doctor in India. Yeah. So she she got COVID. She was even admitted. But, you know, she's a formidable Ooh, woman. So wow. she's back fighting it again. Yeah. So is she... Um, um, what part of India is that? I, I've been I've been in India for a few months. So. Oh, um, it's in Pune, which is like three hours away from Mumbai. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really beautiful. It's a really pretty city. Well, Pune, yeah, and that, that, yeah. that's a university town, isn't it? Yes, yeah. It, it used to be called the Oxford of the East. That's what they used to call. It. I went to law school there actually in Pune. Oh yeah, uh, uh, an old colleague of mine, Harry, Harry Ockel from Mauritius. He uh, he studied in Pune. Oh, cool. Yeah, Pune University is huge, and it's really well-known. Yeah, yeah. Shabani, before I leave you, which beach do you like? <laughs> oh, well, we live five minutes away from Kitsilano Beach, so I oh. have to say kids because, like, it's so close, so we go there very often. I'm in the same hood. <laughs> really? You're in kids? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, we should you, we should plan to meet once, you know, COVID oh, settles down. I have down. a copy over at the Boathouse, eh? Okay. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Thank you, Gail. Thank you. So, Shivani, we're really very honored and very excited to have you spend time with us today to, to like I said earlier, expand our awareness about Asian Heritage Month. And, and so I'm just going to ask you to start with if perhaps your first um, inspiration that you'd like to share with us, just like I say, from a perspective of, of what's occurring what what the what it is that we can benefit from in terms of learning and understanding. I know we when we had previous discussions, we had about two or three topics in particular that were really mainstay that are important for us to bring up to focus. But I'd just like you to start off with whatever feels you know you feel inspired to share. Um, you know, one thing is, of course, because of COVID, I feel like Asian people here are almost under attack right now because like that's the first thing that people think is, oh, COVID started in China. It's automatically the fault of all Asian people. And then, you know, they're being targeted with a lot of racist attacks. Um, one figure, you know, it's a really damning figure that one people should keep in mind is that uh, hate crimes against Asians went up 717% in just Vancouver in the last year alone. That's it. Just Vancouver and over 1,100 people, maybe more now because this research was done like a month ago across Canada reported being uh, subjected to like racist attacks, all Asian people. Um, and it's it's really heartbreaking. There are also videos, you know, that have gone viral of people being targeted, of being told, go back to your country. You brought COVID. Um, there are reports of like people spitting on Asians on the street or like coughing on them to say sort of like, well, you gave me COVID. So like, I'm going to spit on you. You deserve all of these germs. Um, and I think one really important thing for everyone to keep in mind is that we cannot attribute the fault of the government to the people here. For example, if you want to blame the government of China, then it's not the fault of the Chinese people who are living in Canada. They didn't do anything. Neither is it the fault of like regular Chinese citizens in China. You know, it's just it's the fault of the government. It's almost like saying, well, if you don't like Trump, you know, all Americans are bad. Or if you don't like Trudeau, then all Canadians are bad. But that's that's not how it works. It's like it's the fault of the government and cannot be 
And the regular people cannot be targeted for this, especially those that have never even been to China. There are so many um, Asian immigrants who've never even been to their home countries, like they're fully assimilated in North American culture. So for them being told, go back to your country is sort of, it's so hurtful to feel like you grow up here, you identify Canada as your home country, you think that there's nothing, there's no other country greater than Canada, and then to be told that, you know, you don't deserve to be here. It's a really hurtful experience for anyone to go through. And I think that's one thing that, you know, definitely helps is to remember that it's not the fault of the people if the government messed something up. So that's one statistic that I definitely, you know, want to talk about the 717%. That's a shocking statistic. Shocking. Yeah. And you yeah. said just in Vancouver alone, mm-hmm. you're 717%. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. not imaginable. No, it's it's insane. It just makes me think how many people are going through it. And, you know, there's this misconception also that uh, COVID uh, was the reason that people are being subjected to attacks. But that's not really true. You know, like Asian people have always been subjected to some sort of racism. Um, Asian women are so often sexualized. And, you know, people say that racism and sexualization is separate, but it's it's really not. They're being sexualized because of their race. That's it may not be an overt form of racism in the sense that you're not hitting them or killing them, but it's still, it's still racism in some form. Or, or, you know, in Atlanta, the shooting that happened, that guy, he said he was a sex addict and he shot the women to reduce temptation. So definitely racism and sexualization are connected. And that's something that Asian women have been facing for years. And when you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, it's not the fault of the citizens, it's not the fault of, of, of the the people themselves, it's the government. So what is your take in terms of what our government is doing to to plead ignorance to that? Like, what is their responsibility to step up to the plate so that we can, you know, eradicate these misconceptions? Well, one thing I think legislation is really useful. Very recently, Biden passed uh, an anti-Asian hate crime law. It doesn't do anything directly, right? All of these are still Mm -hmm. crimes, but for example, spitting on someone, it may or may not be considered a crime in court. Like, it's very easy to argue. But if we just come up with a new law that says that, no, spitting on people, um, especially during a pandemic, taking our mask off, coughing on people are all crimes, then I think it would help Asian people. Because the biggest attack that Asian people are suffering right now is people coughing and spitting on them. And I think yeah. if we can somehow... Um, you know, legalize that, have it codified into a law, then I think they would have grounds to go to court to say that, look, this guy coughed on me. And right now, that's almost like a death sentence. Because what if I get COVID? What if I die? So um, then maybe we can codify that. I wonder, I wonder if, um, uh, if there's something in the criminal code, because I just heard a policeman on CBC News uh, when that woman was spat at. Um, he said, you know, um, spitting on people is considered assault. Yeah, spitting is, coughing isn't. And I think coughing is something that definitely should yeah. be. Obviously, because like coughing, you know, before well, COVID yeah. wasn't that big of a deal. But now, you know, of course it is. Well, the point is, is that you have to look at intent. Of course. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. If you if you cough on someone by mistake, it's not necessarily, um, you should have to go And you're all embarrassed. But if you cough on people in a hateful manner, that's another story. Yes. Um, you know, and another great advice I have is uh, is if you see an Asian, like if you see an Asian person being attacked, then you should definitely try and step up. Don't get oh, aggressive. Absolutely. Like, yeah, don't don't put your own life in danger. Never. That's not good. But, you know, I feel like as Canadian citizens or as white people, I feel like there's um, the attacker might listen to a white person more than they would an yeah. Asian person, yeah. which, yeah. you know, is sad, but it is, you know, it is what it is. And um, yeah. that is something that would help or like or like if the easiest thing to do is just take your phone out and record them. So at least the police can later identify who the perpetrators were. So stuff like this is also a good way to combat attacks on the street. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I had a a question too for you, Shabana. You'd mentioned that in some cases, people don't necessarily realize that uh, individuals and citizens from um, India and Pakistan are also considered Asian. So there's some misconception. Could you speak to that a little bit for us, please? For sure. I feel like Indians, um, it happens to me sometimes if I say I'm um, Asian, people are like, you're not Asian. I'm like, no, but I am. I'm Indian and India is still in Asia. So we're technically all Asians. We are often referred to as South Asians. uh, But one thing, you know, to keep in mind is that COVID right now is escalating in India. It's at one of the worst. I think the worst outbreak in the entire world is happening in India right now. People are dying every day. Um, The variant that's the B.1.7.1 variant, that's the really mutant variant that's 
killing people essentially started in India first and people here are calling it the Indian variant which is now going to give rise to an increase in hate crimes against Indians and that is something to keep in mind that we are still all Asians and you know China is our neighbor you know like India and China we share a border so if some yeah. if something happens in China then India is like the first place that may, might suffer because of it like if a virus starts in China then India is automatically the first country that will suffer because there's just so much travel that happens between China and India so i do think that India or Pakistan or Bangladesh should not be left out of the conversation when we talk about hate crimes against Asians because India is going through a lot of the same things Should those countries also be included in talking about the contributions to Canada? Oh, for sure. I feel like the immigrants, the maximum number of immigrants are from India, Pakistan, China, um and of of course like they've done so much like right now you know we have Jagmeet Singh who's like the NDP leader um in uh, in Burnaby I think and he you know is yeah. of Indian origin um so stuff like that I do think that Indians are doing really well in Canada they've contributed greatly to Canada's economy to Canada's politics so definitely I think all of Asia should be considered as like a good contributor to Canada in general <laughs> you know, you know I I would like to add something and that is is that without embracing the other cultures that exist not only in our country but there's all kinds of um you, we we shortchange ourselves like the bhagavad gita is the most beautiful uh, i can quote you from the gita because it is such a beautiful beautiful book and and the same Mariko Ogenki das ka you know it's like the she the Japanese have a beautiful culture and 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 I I happen to share my life with a Chinese lady and so I speak reasonably good well a little bit of Chinese <laughs> Oh wow that's amazing but th- th- that's what uh, our government should be sh- suggesting is that these other cultures and these other ideas really make up the canadian culture and idea because we're all immigrants we're all immigrants in some way shape or my mother uh, canadian born but in st catharines but but my father from Derbyshire England and my grandfather from Wicklow in 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 Ireland and you know it's like uh, that that is what bothers me is that if we try and exclude other cultures we leave out a part of 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 what it is to be a human being and uh Uh, I am the ritual and the worship the medicine and the mantra I am the butter burned in the fire is the most beautiful description of god that I've ever read anywhere you have such a such a nice way with words I really like it yeah he's a, he's Neil's a poet my um a And friend of mine uh, a such friend of mine his family got to Canada 5 years before my family got to Canada from Ukraine so Give me a break. Um a lot of Asian people I see on the street have been here for generations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah Canada is their home. Like they don't know um oh, life outside almost. Yeah. That's that's exactly right. Yeah. 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 I know we're talking about all cultures are valid and one of the reasons that Canada and across the country we have different months dedicated to different ethnicities or, or world regions is just so that people can have a special time to give more information that's not commonly often heard so i think shivani has a a particular appeal related to india that she wanted to make and something else to share um yeah for sure i feel like it's really important to acknowledge people um you know like we have mothers day we have fathers day it's important to have those so that you know you take a day out of your life to sort of acknowledge your mom acknowledge your dad i think it's also important to have a day where you acknowledge ethnicities just because they're not the they're not considered to be the main ethnicities or they're the minority sometimes they get overlooked so i do think it's really important in this month and in this month you know you can do things like for example because it's like asian heritage month you can do things like oh maybe you have sushi and you go to a local japanese owned restaurant here or you go go to a gra- asian grocery store you'll try boba tea you'll try something from the asian culture that you've never tried um maybe you can reach out to to an asian person try 
kind of become friends with them just like get to know how their life is most people are not offended if you ask questions of course you should ask them if they're open to you know talking or answering your questions but if they are then i think it's a great way to sort of assimilate into the culture um i also think you know with asians and with immigrants in general there's this sort of a tendency to sort of stick together like people don't want to interact with other communities either like for example so many indians i know they don't want to interact with people outside of their own indian communities it's because there's like a fear of acceptance like they think that oh well if i go and interact with a bunch of white people and they talk about things that i don't understand like I'll, i'm going to feel left out so i feel like if you if there is an asian person in your group and you feel like they're not understanding all the references and trying and making sure that oh like bring them into the conversation like if you're talking about a show that maybe aired in canada that an immigrant will not have watched you can say that oh this is a show that aired in the 80s and you know this is what we're talking about it can be annoying i get that but it's also a good way to include people into the fold and make them feel like oh, okay i'm a part of this like i'm not just an outsider looking in so that's something that also works with like immigrants um and people of color in general it can be i was just having that discussion with somebody in another group yesterday and we were talking about that specific thing and and the different the example actually we were talking about in in spiritual communities or spiritual centers churches and things and and wanting to make other feel other people feel welcome and and they were talking about the benefit right now of being online through zoom and in some cases how conversations and people's relationships have become more intimate because we're we're more closely gathered and as much as when we're in a physical space you know everybody's there for the same reason but there's a little bit of intimidation or perhaps lack of confidence sometimes you feel like a person might feel like they're intruding they might not have the self confidence to feel like you know they don't want to interrupt or they might be thinking in the back of their mind well you know who am i to go and and to join in they might not want me there and and i recall having that experience when i was in networking meetings years ago in different types of businesses so i would go to something and go to an event you know and 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 there was an intimidation as much as i'm very confident about a lot of things i sometimes felt like i was being intrusive or i was waiting for them to welcome me in because they seemed like they they've been there you know forever they knew what they were doing i was missing part of the program or something and so i think it maybe works on both sides we we might not be you know extending ourselves to to welcome other people not because we're afraid to in a sense of, of being concerned that um that there's something different about them but that we lack the confidence to feel that you know do they really want to hear from me so i i don't know if you have any particular tips or you know of of, of different ways that we could could look at that um i think one easy way is to try and start a one-on-one conversation with someone who feels excluded maybe or, or you know that if you feel like someone's being excluded like maybe just reach out to them personally be like hey can we set a time aside to chat talk to them like ask them about their experiences and maybe you can just ask them like oh if you're feeling like excluded is there anything that i can do to help you feel like you're a part of the conversation this is something that we would work really often but we used to back when i was in los angeles because we had a lot of immigrants a lot of people of color we used to work together it was like a hot pot so we basically would set time aside and ask them like hey like do you need something from us uh, to bring you into the fold like is there something you're not understanding and how can we improve your experience so that's definitely something that that can be done is to just initiate more one-on-one conversations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's fabulous you have such a variety of journalism experiences and you're doing something new with social media and video can you share with some us because we have a number of people within our group who are writers what are some of the things that you do in using social media Um well I think uh one thing that you need to do you know like I've been doing when I first started uh when I I studied journalism at Columbia University when I studied journalism you know we were more focused on traditional journalism like print media like newspapers and TV journalism so news stations but you know even in the one year that I graduated the scope of journalism had changed so much so much of journalism had moved to Facebook to Twitter to Instagram and I think I didn't get formal education in digital journalism so we just sort of had to adapt like to learn okay this is how videos do well on twitter this is how videos do well on facebook so i think the best way to adapt is to just sort of keep using it um i have a fail fast mentality so it's like do something if it fails it fails just restart retry retry it in a different way um don't repeat it uh, we call that fail fasting in um 
in digital media. So we do that a lot. Like, okay, let's just put this video out and then we'll see if it does well. Let's publish this article. If it doesn't do well, we'll scrap it. We'll restart and do something else. And I think that's the best way with social media because it keeps changing. Um, so, you know, when I first started at Attention, we were focused on Facebook videos. And now that I'm working with Daily High Vancouver, we are focused on Instagram videos. So in just, in just two years, the platform has changed so much. And the mm-hmm. only way to adapt really is to keep using it. So it's to keep like make Instagram accounts, like keep posting something, figure out how it works, tinker with it a little bit. Um, and that's that's the best way to stay on top of technology, I think. Yeah. What is Daily High for people who might not know? You're reading my mind, Charlotte. It's just asking the same question. Um, So Daily Hive is like a Vancouver-based media company. Um, It's like a startup, uh, and it's focused mostly on digital media. So they don't have newspapers. They don't have magazines. They have a website. Uh, I can send you a link to the website. And it has a lot of, like, younger perspectives. Um, So basically, like, 20 things to do in Vancouver this weekend. Like, uh, go check out the Imagine Van Gogh Museum. Like, this is where you can go buy the best butter chicken in Vancouver. So stuff like that. But we also do hard news. Like, I made videos about Asian hate crimes, um, about Canada's vaccination rollout, about uh, India's COVID-19 crisis. So it's like a a mix um, so that it tries to cater to all audiences. And it's the biggest on Instagram, I think. Daily Hive does the most numbers on Instagram. Um, and it's really cool, especially if you're based in BC, like we do like very specific BC related news. So like with vaccinations, for example, then we would have like an exact chart about how you can book your vaccines in BC, which pharmacies have the vaccines, et cetera, et cetera. So daily is great. If you know, if you like using technology, if you like using your phone and you want to get some news, you want to get some information, then daily hive is great for that. How can people within our group who write or do things that might not, can anybody submit stuff to Daily Hive? Yeah, so I think on their website, there's uh, there's this one email that has like info at Daily Hive. So in there, you can like send in pitches, like be like, hey, um, you know, we have this idea. Or you can be like, you know, um, if you want, you could like approach someone at Daily Hive. Maybe I can give you someone's email if someone wants to talk about it. Um, and you can be like, we think that a column for senior citizens would do really well here. And then you can, you know, sort of pitch that idea and work it out uh, with the editor. That's how it happened for me. I just reached out to the editor on LinkedIn and I was like, um, hey, you know, I have this idea for videos and I think that it would do well with you guys. So although I work for Yahoo, um, they were like, you know what? Yeah, let's try it out. And then that's how we started doing it with Daily Hive. I don't primarily work for Daily Hive. I'm, I'm employed at Yahoo. So that's where I do most of my work. Yeah. I have a question for you, Shabani. Um, the government uh, in the last couple of years have been putting out these little heritage moments uh, showcasing uh, Asian immigration to uh, Canada. And, and I wonder, uh, how are they doing? Well, I do think the Canadian government is doing a good job as far as immigrants um, are welcomed here. It's uh, especially Trudeau. You know, I feel like he's quite open in general. He um, has more of a liberal attitude, especially J- uh, Jagmeet. So in Vancouver or in BC, it's not that much of a problem because Jagmeet is, you know, so welcoming and he's so open. Um, and I think he tries to keep the liberal government in check, too, because he's always talking about discrimination. He's a really vocal supporter of all communities of color. Um, so I do think that having someone like Jagmeet in the in the government has actually been super great, not just for Indians or for Asians, just for any person of color, because he's so, so vocal about it. And I think that's important. Even if, you know, NDP is not the biggest party in Canada right now, I think it is so important to have opposition that can at least keep countering or keep checking the government um, on their biases, I guess, or their prejudices, which I think Jagmeet does admirably well. And I feel like Trudeau does try. I will say that. I do think that he wants to genuinely be welcoming to immigrants. And I do think that there is an effort there, which is, you know, having lived in America, I can say for sure that I don't see that effort in with the American government to welcome immigrants. With Canada, mm-hmm. I feel like there's an effort there. Whether or not yeah. it's executed properly, you know, depends from province to province. But I, I do at least see an intention and an effort, which I really like. Another reason that, you know, we decided to move to Canada, I just feel like it's a more welcoming and they're just genuinely more interested in trying to do better. Universal health care. Yes, of course. That goes without saying. Yeah, goes without, especially after living in America, goes without saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What about from a spiritual perspective? I know that uh, weddings, a lot of weddings were canceled. Yesterday they said people can have weddings again. But uh, how do you find tolerance towards religious practices 
from India in within Vancouver, Canada? Um, I feel like there is some. There's, there can be, but, you know, again, like Indians, for example, have settled so much into Surrey. Um, so many Indians live in Surrey, like they live in their own bubbles. So they are not really subjected to too much victimization over this. But I do think that there is a lot of um, something that we're talking about a lot lately is cultural appropriation. Um, so what's okay and what's not okay for people to participate in when it comes to like Indian or Asian uh, religion, especially like Japanese is one, you know, they have their really, really own specific culture, um, similar to like how Indians have their own culture. So when is it okay for uh, Canadians who are not Indians to wear like Indian outfits? So if you're going to a wedding, an Indian person's wedding, uh, and then you wear an Indian outfit, that's totally fine. But if you wear an Indian outfit generally to walk on the street without being aware of the origins or without respecting the culture, then that's where it's problematic. So I think that there's like a mix. Um, some people do tend to make fun of like Indian weddings, like, oh, like, what is this? How do you have a seven days long wedding? Like, it doesn't make any sense. We just have a one day wedding. And I feel like, again, it comes from the perspective of being open. Um, and I think it comes from the perspective of not being offended. So if like an Indian person, um, you know, I think couple of celebrities, they got in trouble because they're wearing the Indian bindis, uh, which, you know, are symbols of like religious married women in India. So even I wouldn't wear a bindi because I'm not, I don't subscribe to that religious ideology myself. So I, I don't think it's right for me to be wearing it as a fashion statement. So, you know, a lot of celebrities got called out for that. And I think those are things and they got really defensive and they got really angry. And I think that's the problem. Like if you can do something, if it's a mistake, then just own up to it and don't repeat it. And I think that's that's what we need. Not just a welcoming attitude, but welcoming constructive criticism. So if like people of color say that, hey, this is really hurting us. Don't do it. Then just be open to it because you're not in their shoes. So you don't know what they're going through. So that's, that's you know, another advice that I would have. Yeah. Do, do you think that... Uh education in the schools, et cetera, et cetera, is um, uh, useful. Uh, some of the programming in schools is useful to um, fight against this. There's people are just so ignorant. It's just shocking what people say. Oh, yes. I, I was, yeah, I was going to bring that up. I think that the schooling system does need to improve while talking about other cultures. I think there should actually be a whole subject that discusses other cultures because I have friends, Indian friends who grew up being called um, curry munchers or they grew up calling like curry girls or like they're told that like you're, you're darky, stuff like that. Or mm -hmm. like I have Asian friends um, who've been called chinks and stuff like that. These are all slurs and you shouldn't really call them um, these things. And I think that that, and these are kids, right? They're, where are they learning this from? Probably their parents or, or it's like group mm -hmm. mentality. They don't really know the hurt, but I have friends who've heard these things. They're still hurt by it because of something one silly boy said to them in fifth grade. Like, I still have friends, like, who feel sad when they think of that incident. So I think schooling mm -hmm. and talking about cultures, talking to kids when they're younger about the words that they use, the things they say to, to people of color, like students of color, I think would really, really help to, to not have kids grow up with like a victimized mentality because then what happens is if we get bullied in school we grow up assuming yep. that everyone's going to bully us and that may not necessarily happen but then it kind of creates like a, a barrier between mm -hmm. say white people and between people of color because like we grow up thinking that oh every single white person is going to bully me at some point but that's not really true right mm -hmm. but I think that happens because of school because like you mm -hmm. you grow up hearing those things so I do think that schooling um, is really really important and I wish that all students would stop bullying students of color because it's incredibly damaging in the long run you know that's something that has happened uh with black people being made fun of about our hair or people saying you know is small children you know is that color going to wash off uh living through a time where there were uh, laws that you know practices where people would clean the whole drain the whole pool if a black person or a person of color uh swam in that pool but you know, in this show is also going to be heard in the Speak Up, Listen Up, Act Upon. What can people do to get the schools to do things? Because the school, it doesn't just happen. What can parents or people do to have the schools begin to ask for, include this cultural education, cross-cultural education? So, okay, I think one thing really, really helps, and it's an underrated way of changing things. Um, it is 
be uh, is petitions i think signing petitions is an underrated way of bringing about change but it does bring about change for example if one mom um say she is like a black mother or an indian mother she feels like her child is being bullied if she starts a petition then for other white people who um may not understand to like listen to her to sign the petition to give support to the parents like the the parents of color who are trying to bring about change i think that other parents need to support them if parents of color are saying that hey my child is being bullied in school then i think that other white parents need to listen to them and be like you know mm-hmm. what i support you like what policy change would you like in school and i will stand by that i will support yeah. you and i think that will bring about change signing petitions sending email to deans um saying stuff like you can even threaten schools right like if 20 parents say that we will take the child out of your school if you do not uh, implement these changes that's a big threat like schools will likely at some point have to implement that change because they don't want to lose um, their kids they don't want to lose all the fees that they're getting so that's something that can be done is just like reaching out to deans or another way is social media you know if you see something bad happen expose them um you know there were lots of incidences in america where black girls you know they uh, little girls you know who's who uh, were made fun of because of their braids or because of their hair and the mothers they basically shamed the people they posted photos on instagram they posted photos on twitter on facebook yeah. they shamed the school they shamed the perpetrators and it went so viral that the school had to issue apologies and the school had to Good. you know institute a whole class so i think that that is something that helps is using social media and signing petitions you had i think you were uh were made mention in yahoo and one of your videos about things people could do to support india right now are there things to send or to support or to help with the healthcare i mean there's just a number of things but i think you had some specific suggestions of what people could do well yeah india is going through you know a tremendous crisis right now tremendous and i think one way that we need to bring about change is if um anyone has contacts at the government then they should reach out to their representatives tell them that hey like canada needs to beef up the aid that it's sending to india like um canada did you know they did send i think 2 million dollars to canadian red cross which went to indian red cross and they have also sent oxygen and ventilators but you know india uh, canada is such a large indian population mm-hmm. uh, and they all have relatives back home so i think that canada could be doing a little more considering that so much of their population is indian or is south asian so that's one thing that you can do is definitely you know if you have any contacts with the government reaching out to them um another is just donating if it's possible you know if you have the financial and the mental bandwidth then donating like find uh, verify which you know i have a list of verified organizations again on my daily hive article i can um i can send that if anyone's interested um sending donations and these are all like verified on the ground organizations you know who are running across like doing things for people right now so that's definitely um something to keep in mind um and i think another way is to amplify for example there is a slight issue with freedom of freedom of speech and freedom of press in india right the government has been tamping down on activists and on journalists who are trying to create awareness about ground situation because they don't want it to get out that india is in such a bad state so if you see something then maybe sharing it on twitter sharing it on facebook that can help generate awareness people who may not have even heard about the problem might be like you know what i should donate and then that mm-hmm. might bring about 10 dollars more which another thing to consider is the conversion rate you know in india mm-hmm. the conversion rate one dollar is equal to like 60 rupees which in india is much much higher in terms of value for what you can buy as opposed to what you can buy with a dollar here so that's another something to keep in mind if you feel like oh i'm just donating 10 dollars like what difference is that going to make but it actually might make a big difference to someone in india so that's um another thing to keep in mind I think there's a connection. Yesterday many of us were happy to hear the announcements from uh BC government about yeah. the 80% of of older people have been immunized, 60% of people in their 50s have been immunized, and the immunizations came from India at the beginning the late rate was so low. They shipped immunization all over the world and now <laughs> don't have enough for the people here. So I think uh, uh advocating for uh as you said sending money advocating that the government send more um supplies in some places there are uh case lots of uh immunization material that is sitting and about to go bad both in the United States and in Canada even here in BC so yeah uh, 
Did you have any information on how people or what people could do to advocate for helping to increase the amount of vaccine supply in India? Well, okay. One thing to keep in mind is I think AstraZeneca in Canada and America is a huge problem because it's been banned, basically. Like, there's a halt on them. And there's, I think there are 250,000 AstraZeneca vaccines just sitting in refrigerators in Ontario right now, which makes no sense. Like, what are we doing with those? Like, people, you know, I still haven't even had my first dose of vaccines yet. Like, what, what are we doing? Like, there are people even in Canada that have not even received their first dose. Meanwhile, you know, Ontario is just sitting over there with 250,000 vaccines. So that is frustrating. So I feel at that point, just send it. Just send those vaccines to India. Don't keep them. I understand that there are blood clot concerns and that you don't want to give AstraZeneca to Canadians. That's understandable. But don't hoard the vaccines either. Just send them back to whatever country needs them um, because it's not been banned in India. India is giving AstraZeneca to every person of every age. So you might as well just send it back. Um, That's one thing. Again, you know, getting in touch with the government, signing uh, petitions that say that please send these vaccines back or make sure that they're used for second doses really quickly. That's one thing. Also, India is producing its own vaccines, right? It's in fact made more vaccines than any other country has in the whole world. Problem is that it needs raw material. It needs supplies, which are primarily in the U.S. and Canada. So then asking the governments to release those supplies, lift those embargoes. Um, So that's another thing. I think a lot of it is activism in the sense that you do need to talk to people in the government. There isn't that much that regular people can do about the vaccine supply. It's, It's unfortunately up to the government. So the only thing that we could do is put some pressure on them. I just wanted to switch gears just a little bit and just um, curious as we were mentioning, you know, celebrating um, Asian um, Heritage Month and and we wanting to really recognize the achievements and, and contributions of those, you know, Canadian descent and, and, and what they've done to contribute to the history of Canada. So are there any specific um, events, activities, ideas, suggestions that you can share with us, Shivani, that, that we could do to, to really honor that? Well, yeah, I think one um, very easy way to do it for anyone sitting at home is to read books by Asian authors. Um, you can just, you know, Google like bestseller lists, um, New York Times bestseller Asian authors and find them even if they're older. Um, you can read those. Uh, another thing is to watch some shows maybe that are made by Asians. Um, Minari is an Oscar winning um, movie that was released recently. And it's about an, an immigrant Asian family that moved. I think it was the best foreign feature film at the Oscars this year. Um, an immigrant family that moved to the U.S. It's a beautiful film. It's, it's a gorgeous representation of what it's like for Asians to immigrate. Um, and I think that's something that people can watch to celebrate Asians. Um, another Canadian show, you know, it's a CBC show that airs on Netflix is Kim's Convenience. It's just a funny comedy about like an Asian family and how they're sort of surviving in Toronto, what they have to do, like do they face discrimination, how they deal with racism, stuff like that. And it's lighthearted, but it's still, it's on the nose still. You can still tell that, oh, they're still going through something. And I think it's really nice. And it's a Canadian-made show. So that's definitely something that I would recommend. Um, Right now, you know, because of the pandemic, there's not a lot that you can do outside. Otherwise, you know, I would say that um, you can sort of try to meet or like attend Asian events. But, you know, right now that's tough. So I, I would say the easiest thing right now to do is to read some books by Asian authors and to watch movies or shows that are made by Asians or that are about Asians to try and understand their point of view. Yeah, Bonnie Henry mentioned that, you know, that they were starting to do the, the startup plan again for BC and what it's going to look like. And and she was talking briefly about the um, religious centers and stuff and that I gather it's, you know, reasonable amount of people can be welcomed into physical space again. And, and I mean, everybody's got a different idea about reasonable amount of people would be. And, and you mentioned earlier about how Surrey is, you know, such a big main hub of a, a, a pretty in, uh, dense um, East Indian population, and so relative to that, for for attending, and you said like you know they like to stay in their own bubble as well. So for those of us that aren't of, of East Indian descent, you know, would 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 they feel would people attending there that are in that bubble feel offended or or imposed upon if we were to go and explore? Oh, no, I think they're super welcoming. I think they want people to come, especially I can't really speak for the East Indian community. I would say that East Indians like Asians 
are mostly based in Richmond. Surrey is more where the South Asians are, like Indians, Pakistani, Bangladeshis, they're right. most in Surrey. Um, and I think the Asian community is more based in Richmond. Um, but I wouldn't really say that they would be offended. I think one easy way to sort of assimilate is to just go to restaurants. Some of the best Indian restaurants in BC are yeah. in Surrey. Some of the best yeah. Asian restaurants yeah. in all of BC are in Richmond. So yeah. I would say the easiest way to sort of interact with the community is to talk to them is to is to go to their restaurants. And you're mm-hmm. also giving them business, right? You're mm-hmm. also giving them some sort of financial profitability from doing that. And they're super welcoming, especially if like you're you're paying them in any form, then of course like they're not gonna turn down any business. No one is. <laughs> so um of course like I think that's a great way to celebrate Asian heritage in form South Asian or you know East Asian is to just go to their restaurants and um Asians and Indians are typically like they love food, you know, Asians and Indians, like they have such a big um, relationship to food. Like we define our day by what we eat almost sometimes. Like that's how much (laughs) our life revolves around food and spices and stuff like that. So I think that's one really easy way to connect with the communities through food. For example, if you go um, to an Asian restaurant, you try some soba noodles or something. Then the next time you meet an Asian person, you can be like, I love soba noodles. And, you know, they know that you tried something, which I think also gives you connectivity points. It gives you something to talk about with people from those community is if you experience their culture and their food. What about yeah. music? Oh, yeah. Oh, I feel like with uh, with Indian music, at least, I'm not super familiar with Asian music. I know K-pop is really big. Like, I know a lot of youngsters are into K-pop. I do think that there's a huge language barrier when it comes to Indian music, at least, because all of the music is, you know, in regional languages. And India has 36 languages. So I I myself only speak three Indian languages. So I don't even know what 33 of those music people are talking about myself. Um, So I think it is a little harder to, to integrate into the music scene. But, you know, if you like just listening without understanding the lyrics, then, you know, you should definitely explore like Bollywood music or K-pop and stuff like that. It's just such a beautiful reminder because, you know, that that's the one, not just the one thing, but, but we all have in common. It doesn't matter our race, you know, our nationality, where we're from. It's, it's food, it's family, it's music. It's yep. celebration. You know, we, right. all, we all look to celebrate that. It, it's important for all of us. It doesn't matter, you know, what type of culture we come from. I mean, those are the main stays of, you know, and even <laughs> even if you have a North American diet, maybe, you know, you're eating hamburgers and french fries all day long and you're defining your day by eating the junk food. <laughs> I mean, it all comes down to, to food, right? It just, for sure. you all want to nurture that part of ourselves and and family is the most important thread we we all want to be loved we all want to share love and Mm -hmm. and through food is definitely a way that that we share that i recall back when i was in my 20s i I went to a party in in west vancouver and it happened to be an Indian family that was hosting it and the woman was like my goodness like she must have spent weeks preparing all of this food and I needed to leave. She would not let me leave that house without my own own supply. I'm sure a month's worth supply of samosas. Oh my goodness! Oh yeah. I fell in love with it, and I've been hooked ever since. But you know, and then many years ago, I, I used to have a, a business over in Vancouver, and the majority of my clients were from the East Indian uh, community in Surrey. And there was not one time I went into a house that I was not welcomed to tea yeah. and to food and, and to their family and yeah. you know it's, it was just so gracious and and we should all aspire to that level of welcoming you know yeah. So, yeah. yeah this is kindness there's an emphasis on I don't know whether it's kindness week or kindness month but uh, I've seen a few news blurbs remember to be kind remember to uh, <laughs> exhibit kindness so that tradition is one way of doing that and it's also sure. a way of addressing, just changing the tempo and the atmosphere. When there was so much hateful language going on with the previous person holding the White House hostage, language got really ugly. But really as ugly, more yeah. people radiate and speak kindness to each other, do acts of random acts of kindness. There's a website for random acts of kindness where people can just report in things that they do. It changes the tempo and changes the atmosphere. So... 
you have encouraged us to do that today and to be more mindful of uh, the principle that deals with bullying. You know, we have a month or a time that the station talks about 16 ways to stop bullying, and it is being that person that says stop or that records or that steps in or makes a makes a noise that uh, changes what another person is doing. For sure. I definitely agree. Another thing um, that, you know, we've been seeing is like a lot of retail workers are being harassed. Now, they may or may not be people of color, but like if they tell you to wear a mask and people are getting really offended, they're yelling at them. That's another thing. Like, you know, they're just doing their jobs. So that's um, mm-hmm. So other people stepping in often, you know, helps to de-escalate the situation a little bit. So I do think getting involved is good. Of course, you should always be mindful of your own safety. Yeah. I would never encourage you to put yourself in harm's way. But I do think like saying something, recording, it does it does make a big difference. And that's so true, Charlotte just mentioned, but it's, it's the wording that we use and how we use that wording and, and how we express ourselves. And Because it's it's I know that's been one of my challenges through this whole situation with COVID is, is I didn't realize how much of a rules person I was <laughs> until this all went down, you know, and, and so it's it's finding that space to think, well, you know what, maybe their habit isn't to walk down the aisle and notice that the arrows are going a certain way and, and we all, so I've, I've been, you know, I've been testing the water, finding some days I'm more, I'm more successful in, 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 in finding a polite and pleasant way to just gently say to somebody, you know, would you be okay if you went this direction? As opposed to, you know, feeling the intensity in my mind, thinking, oh my goodness, you're going the wrong way, you know. So it's it's just noticing that and, and figuring out a way to be, you know, responsive, not reactive, lessen the judgment, be kinder, and, and having some grace and understanding. Like, you know, we're all used to our habits. We're all used to doing things a certain way. This has stopped us all in our tracks. We're all learning as we go along. And, and like Bonnie Henry keeps reminding us as well, saying where the started said, you know, just be kind, be compassionate. And, you know, maybe we just need to take a breath every once in a while and <laughs> hold the space. Take a breath. For sure. Well, for thank sure. you, Shabani, for coming today and bringing that new insight to us, giving us more information about uh, reasons we should welcome people from India as well as Japan, all of the parts, the broad area that has people of uh, Asian, East Asian descent, and that we can just commonly look at customs like having food, inviting people to tea, uh, sharing, that these are things that are are really good when people cross-culturally share customs that they have. Uh, and as some of you mentioned, you've gone across the country and experienced these things. It's wonderful that we can experience them right here within our podcast group and right here across uh, Vancouver. Speaking of that, next week we're going to be looking at ways, the milestones that we've made. Uh, when <laughs> when the uh, podcast began uh, a year ago, well, it was a little bit more than a year ago, but There were 20 things that people, 20 topics that people wanted to address. One of them was housing, accessibility, Mm -hmm. food sources. We want you to bring an icon, bring something next week that is symbolic of a way that you think that you have seen the notion of uh, older people in Vancouver change. And we're going to look at some of the topics and issues we talk to and then look at where do we go next? So we'll be inviting people in who are using those things so that we can turn up the tempo. What are the areas where people are still seeing an under powerless image of older people? And what are ways that we can um, radiate things like Neil's book, the cave writing, the new cave writing, what does the new cave writing on the wall look like? So those are things next week as the first um, Thursday in June. We'll be jumping off into June with that. So remember to bring something, invite a friend to come along. We're also building up uh, our group. And we're going to be, the 411 Center will be rolling out services that people will be able to come to the building and get. So thank you so much for being here today. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Thank you, Nancy, for being a facilitator today. And Everyone, you could give a clap if you enjoyed this program. (laughs) 
Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I just want to say it's such a great initiative and I'm so happy to see that, you know, everyone wants to stay on top of technology. Uh, it's really great to hear that. And this is a really good conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shabani. Take good care.